to him who loved us and who washed us from our sins by his blood and who made us kings and priests to God the Father. To him be all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Before introducing the sermon text, let me say that the last two weeks I had a little mini-series. We had two-part worship building up to last week's Confirmation Sunday based on the Gospel reading of Matthew 16, uh, confessing Jesus with your lips, as Peter did, you are the Christ. And also with your, your life, Jesus then said, take up your cross and follow me. Who, who bore the cross, of course. You may have already noticed in today's bulletin, there is a note in the news and notes that the next three weeks, we got another little series as we share Trinity Lutheran's church um, um, vision for the next few years and especially this next year. It's got a three-part theme you've already seen. We adjusted a bit. So that's coming up. Today, in between, we have one isolated Sunday to talk about one, one isolated truth for a change. I think for the first time all summer long, right here at the end of summer, it is our epistle reading from Romans chapter 13 you can see the note in the bulletin and the screen's not working Trisha I don't know if it's my clicker or yours you want to try to advance it to the next one just escape and then start again Romans chapter 13 the note in the bulletin said that this is the definitive definitive section of scripture about God's gift of government. In Christ's name, I'll wait till she gets through all the different things. She's there. Okay. I can try too. Maybe both of us are canceling each other's out. God's gift of government. I did not plan on this, but I actually always want to be forthright and, and, and uh, upfront with you today, especially I must, because there's people here who can confirm or deny what I say. As I go home, uh, one of my homes, I've got one here in Tyler and one in Fort Worth, but often on Sunday afternoons, I go back to Fort Worth. Uh, here is what I will see. <laughs> I don't know if that's Interstate 20 or not, but it sure looks like it, doesn't it? Kind of. Maybe a little west of Tyler. The speed limit sign. And more often than not, I will also see something like this. <laughs> and I'm wary of it, as others can confirm, because I'm often not doing 75. I rationalize it by saying I'm staying with the traffic, right? 
it's not safe to go any slower, but every once in a while I exceed it even more and have been caught. And it's not right. It's been my own kids in the car who have quoted Romans chapter 13 to me. Isn't it a sin to disobey the government? Let every person be subject to governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. Our governmental authority is a gift from God. I don't always see it that way. And neither do you. Because we don't always obey the government, even as we ask others to. But today, again, just on this one Sunday, a little encapsulation. I've got more in uh, this week's email about God's gift of government. It is a gift of God. God works in two distinct ways through the church and through the state, both instituted by God. Martin Luther called the church God's right right hand and the state his left hand no offense to south pause but usually the dominant primary hand for most people is the right and that's primarily indeed exclusively how God shares the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ that is the function of the church that's why we are not the church victorious and heaven triumphant he has that job for us here on earth through the, the spoken and written word through the sacraments to share the good news to people who don't know it and and also to those who do that Jesus Christ has done everything needed for God and humans to be reconciled. We, we could not do it. So Jesus has come, intended even before the creation of the world, to do it for us. What God requires, he fulfilled. That's the church's job, to proclaim the gospel and the entire word of God. The state, on the other hand, God has created to preserve outward peace. The, the church works with the gospel to change hearts. The state controls things outwardly. Civil or civic righteousness, it's often called amongst Lutherans, the outward forms of righteousness. And to do so, the state primarily uses God's law. Now, it is good if we hear the gospel from our political leaders or even policemen. But it's not their job. I actually heard of a judge in St. Louis who sentenced a guilty but repentant man who was evidently a Christian. And he said, as a Christian, I, I, I do forgive you in Jesus' name, but as as an official of the state, I sentence you to five years or whatever it was. That's the state's job. Paul writes here, the governing authorities indeed are those who 
carry the sword. They're the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer, the primary function of the state. And that's a gift from God. Yes, even that law, God's law is a gift to us, his commands, even his threats warning us of our sin and, and then the gospel turning us to Christ. I thought I'd get a little bit of the catechism into the sermon here today. I think I've used this previously, the three uses of the law identified by us Lutherans and even before, now for hundreds and hundreds of years. The law is a curb of controlling outward sin, even by force. It is a mirror, its chief use to show us our sin and our desperate need for a savior as we are then turned to the gospel. And finally, it's a rule or guide, a joyous way for believers to thank God and live for him as we seek again and again, stronger and stronger to follow his commandments. I think the role of the government, even here in Romans chapter 13, can be seen that way. Three uses of the government as, as the government proclaims God's law. Number one, it's a curb, keeping outward peace. The traffic laws are there so that Craig Schenerer doesn't kill somebody on the road. If nothing else, I need to obey them so that I and others are safe. And the government has that role too. It, it needs to to be proclaimed in our day and age, it seems every day and age as we, we look at political issues. During this election year, it should be a primary concern for those who follow what God says of the government and for you personally. And it should be obeyed. And yet we don't. Paul writes here in Romans, you pay taxes, the authorities are ministers of God, pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed, do you? I do not. The way I should, in the email I ask questions you may read again. I've printed copies already today. Have you ever uh, exceeded the speed limit or rolled through a stop sign? Have you ever ridiculed an election official or griped about a police officer? Have you done everything you can to stop the killing of babies in the womb or prevent injustice to the weak and powerless? How many times does the role of the government show us our sin like God's mirror? I was in a foreign country years and years ago, and I won't tell you the year because it will betray some of my politics. When in a foreign country someone asked me about a president with whom I disagreed strongly. <laughs> and my first sinful instinct was to gripe about that president 
on foreign soil. I thank God I did not. I think my answer was, he is our president and we support him fully. <laughs> but none of us lives the way we should. Even according to earthly laws, it should show us how we fail God's eternal laws and how we desperately need the gospel. Things won't be solved after November 4th in our country, dear friend, and they never will. The only answer to sin is not the government, however good it may become. It is the good and perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And we Christians are called as we live under government to proclaim God's law so that people will see God's answer, Jesus Christ. Indeed, indeed the gift of government allows us to lead godly lives even here on earth. At the end of this section, Paul talks about owing nobody or anyone anything but love. To share not only our love, but Christ's love. There's another section that's a prime scripture about our role as followers of Christ with the government. 1 Timothy chapter 2, the very start of the chapter. I didn't note it on the screens or anywhere. 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes to this pastor, Timothy, and to all of us, I urge then that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, and we do today almost every Sunday and should daily, that, here's the result, we may lead peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way. Here's the final result. Four. God is pleased. Oh, I had it wrong. This is good. It is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. There is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Our godly lives under godly government can share the one King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Savior, Jesus. I must tell you that halfway through this week, I realized I missed a great sermon title today, but things were already printed and done. Do you know this phrase? I, I think you do. Government of the people, by the people, for the people. The last line of Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address. If I may be bold to improve upon that amazing, inspiring two-minute speech of President Lincoln, there can be an improvement. Government is of the Lord. It is instituted by Him. It is 
by the Lord. It is his tool to show us his law, indeed to drive us to the Savior. It is for the Lord, for his Christians then, to spread the gospel. Government is God's gift. Amen.